Hi folks, welcome to Tabletop Transmissions, a podcast about tabletop role-playing and being queer. Uh, I am one of your hosts, as always, Liz, and joining me tonight are our co-hosts. Hi, this is Cassie. And hello, this is Fran. And tonight, folks, we uh, we have a special guest. Uh, we are being joined by uh, Sean. Uh, he is the author of a new um, a new game called The Ballad of the Pistolero. Uh, I think I said that right. My Spanish is terrible. <laughs> uh, and he's going to be talking with us uh, about this game. This is one of our first episodes with about westerns. Uh, we wanted uh, we wanted to get him on and and go over it because it looks really interesting. It really does. I, so, uh, I read through the rules last night and uh, or yesterday afternoon. And yeah, it's cool. So, Thank Sean, you. why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about what uh, what you're working on? Oh, hi, my name is Sean, and uh, I'm working on. I just I finished. Uh, Pistolero over the summer, <coughs> and I decided to get sick, so it's all fun. <laughs> and uh, right now I'm working on some uh, adventure stuff for uh, Spyhander, which is a grim, perilous D100 system, which uh, Pistolero shares a lot of uh, connective DNA with. Hmm. And then I'm going to go back to Pistolero and work on really kind of refining how adventures, or what I'm going to start calling episodes, kind of work. Mm. Mm. So what, Mike? Mike, my, my question. Uh, first of all, what was the inspiration for this? What? Because I'll, I'll be honest, like straight genre games aren't really a thing most people do, and this is very clearly a western. So what? What kind of brought about that influ or that uh, that idea for you? So we were talking on Discord one day, and someone was mentioning they wanted to play a western. So we played one last year. For um, Extra Life in November, and we used Cypher. And we were lamenting that there wasn't, like, if you wanted to play a straight Western, you had to either take a system that did a whole lot of genres, like Cypher, mm-hmm. or you had to kind of pull the weird out of something like Deadlands. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. as kind of a lark, because I had just kind of abandoned a large um, game I'd been working on with a friend called Forts and Frontiers, which was. If, like, Faerun is medieval Europe with fantasy, this was 1840s America with elves and dwarves. And so I was kind of in that headspace. And then we were talking about westerns. And I was like, I could do something like that. And, you know, I wrote some rules. And they sat there for a little bit. And then I had a project fall through. And I kind of got back into them to get over being depressed about a project that had fallen through. And then I kind of had rules, like, a week later. And I was like, I wrote the whole thing, and then I started editing, and I was like, I think I've got something here. And so I got a little art commissioned, and we went to Kickstarter. So can I can I say, first of all, I we were talking briefly on Twitter, and uh, I really love the art for this. Um, hmm. the, the, the cover is really striking for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love the the cover. It's like my uh-huh. background on my computer on any computer I'm at. <laughs> do you, um was it the same artist you did you use throughout or who did you get to do the art for this? So the interior is done by um an artist named uh Sean Goodison. He's from New Zealand. Um and he was friends with uh one of the people who we I was talking with initially about a western. And like he did all the art for their channel. And he's he's a freelance artist, and he's done some other game-related stuff. And I liked his art, and so I was like, he did the interior art, and then I was turned on to another artist named uh, Angela, who um, she has a lot of like Warcraft fantasy art, and but I it kind of had that still animated feel, which worked well with the interior. And I'm a sucker for Warcraft fan art because I've been injecting WoW into my veins since forever. Um, so, and that's how kind of the art came about. And the cover is based on the, we already had the interior designs done. So the cover is based on the designs from the inside. 
Yeah, no, I'm I'm not gonna lie. Uh, the 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 law man or the law person on the front cover. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, I'm still a lesbian. Yeah, that works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, Chloe. Yeah. A, a few of the characters have got names because they they like filtered into some of the the narrative story inside mm-hmm. the book, and that's actually the uh. The very first piece of art we got is that picture right on the inside front cover mm. of her with the Winchester. So she kind of became the uh, spokesperson for Pistolero. Mm. No, she is absolutely my this is absolutely my favorite character out of all the recurring ones in the book. Uh, but and so enough about the art. Um, you mentioned briefly the rules system, and I know Cassie had some questions about it. Okay. Um, when, mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead, Liz. Uh, do you want to walk us through how the game works a little bit? Sure. <laughs> I try to mute my mic whenever I to cough. Um, so it's a feeling. Yeah. So it's a, a D100 system. So the way it kind of works is. Anytime you want to do something, the uh, narrator will give you a, the challenge rating. It's like it's easy, it's hard. And that kind of tells you how much you either add or subtract to your skills percentage chance to succeed. And then you've already been kind of upping that skill. So, like, let's say you've got a 50 in quick draw and you've got two ranks in it. So your 50 is a 60 is a 70. And then you're like, well, it's difficult, so it's minus one. It's not exactly what difficult is, but so it's like minus mm. ten. So you kind of figure out what your percentage is, and then you've got to roll lower than that on a D100. It's like it sounds complicated, and, and it's confusing, like the first four rolls you do. <laughs> but then everyone's like, got it. And what's cool is the math is always out in the open for everyone, because for the narrator... They, they will announce to the table what they've got to get under. The players all know. So it's every, all the roles are in the open. There's no like secret uh, kind of behind the screen manipulation. Mm-hmm. I like, I like that a lot. And I kind of think that weirdly lends itself very well to the kind of the style of Western you're going for. Uh, it's like, it's all out in the open. Yeah. I don't know, it really works thematically for me. Yeah, I um, yeah, I just when I discovered the D100 systems, I was just like, I love these, and I want to to work with them and make more of them. No, I, they're, I, they're really simple to write for. I play a lot of Call of Cthulhu, so I feel I feel yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we just got into um, Call of Cthulhu here recently. Ooh, what do you, uh, out of, out, of, out of morbid curiosity, I promise we won't go too far into Cthulhu stuff, but what <laughs> what, uh, sure. what are you playing? Or, do you, do you uh, have an adventure? Or? Uh, we, my wife ran something out of, I forget which, one of the, the books. It's like a, you go, like a rich guy hired you to find his son who was missing at this lodge and then there are zombies. Oh, okay. I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I just kind of. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like I kind of side, like I'm there, but like Cthulhu is <laughs> is my wife's thing. She's like I'm into Cthulhu. I need to listen to all of it before I run it. I'm locked into into this. So, uh, send you should send your wife my Twitter handle. Uh, if she has any questions about Cthulhu, I can answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I I even have an elder sign tattooed on my arm. Nice. But so anyway, so kind of curious. So we kind of um, what what really drew me to your work outside of the the art is well, I I guess also in, in because of the art is how many people of color and just different non-white um, even what I what I can imagine might be non-cis characters. I, I appreciated um, um, how you several times stated um that um we're not going for historical accuracy although mm. by putting more people of color into the book you're going for more historical accuracy than um 
a lot of the uh, westerns that uh, irony. You're, you're you're spilling my secret to the people who <laughs> don't want to have non-white people in their westerns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I like historically like 25% of your cowboys should be African American and Mexican and it shouldn't <laughs> just be a bunch of white dudes like um so I work in uh TV and so at a certain point in the morning I walk into the control room and there's this old Western playing on one of the, like the digital channels, like the 12.3 or something. And it, it strikes me how it's like white dudes fighting Indians who are just white dudes in wigs. Yep. Yeah. With like some bronzer. And it's in black and white because it's from like the 50s, but it's so clearly just, and it's like, oh, uh, it's cringy. I mean, and I, I love old Westerns, uh, but yeah, I mean, there are, there are serious problems. Yeah, so I made a an effort to try to diversify the the look of everyone inside. And one of my goals down the line, probably with whatever the next product for Pistolero is, is to find a Native American writer and work work in Native Americans into the the game. Because I was like, I'm not touching yeah, this I as was, a white dude. I was going to ask about that, because that is... That is a very noticeable omission. Um, yeah. And, and that, I, I wasn't sure if you were had just decided not to touch it or were skirting around it or, or what. So that's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. It was because that was one of the things that kind of the, the previous big kind of American based one, we had like, you know, we had made some nations that were kind of Indian based, uh, like the Iroquois and the Aztecs and whatnot. And it just, it felt very disingenuous, like we were appropriating culture. And I was just like, I'm not going to do this, that. And Pistolero was on such a shoestring budget as it was. I was like, I want to bring someone in. And if I'm going to bring in, like, another writer, I want to be able to, you know, pay them. And Mm. so I was like, this is something I can just sit aside. If anyone asks, that's a very good answer. And it's a priority to bring them in and do it in a way that's respectful and is not just me putting bronzer on my writing in a bad wig. Hmm. That's fair. That's definitely fair. So one thing, one thing I I also really like um, is your appendices. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've you've got a nice one. It's looking good. Yeah. You shouldn't have it out. (laughs) All right. right. That one fell short, but, yeah, uh, I, I swear I tell I tell jokes. Um, but no, but your appendices I particularly like, um, like just the list of names in cities and towns. Yeah, because like no one's really from at least in like 1880. You're not really from the West. You're from somewhere else. So you need to know where you're you are from. And so you know a little Google foo, and I had names of cities mm-hmm. and places. Because the like the name lists I just looked up. Well, what were the most popular names in 1880? And that was how we generated those lists. Mm. Same with uh, the cities. There, I just what, what were the the largest places that people were from? And I didn't really mess with with those. I mean, I added Richmond into the cities for a little <laughs> hometown shout out. But other than that, I didn't. You know, it's just like, well, what were the big places in that time period? Um, so one of the things I appreciated about it was um, something that you mentioned before, which is, um, you know, if, if, if someone like it, it gives the ability to play a real a quote realistic unquote cinematic Western. Right. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I have played Deadlands and it is good for for what it is, but it is much less of a Western it's it i mean it's weird west right and um i like the idea of being able to play a cinematic western i i actually was um it made me think a lot of another cinematic based rpg that uh, that i've read um obviously is robin law's uh, uh feng shui which, oh, okay yeah um which i mean it's a, it's a very it, it, it's very different, but it's a similar idea in that instead of playing a very cinematic 
cinematic Western, you're playing a very cinematic Hong Kong action movie. Um, right. Which, was, that sounds there, awesome. Yeah. Oh, have you, are you not familiar with No, I haven't read that one. Oh. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's really a neat experience because it's an incredibly realistic simulation of an incredibly fake genre. Yeah. <laughs> so like they they encourage things like if you if you as a player make the motion and sound before you fire your shotgun, you get extra damage dice, for example. Oh, so nice. like it really encourages people to get into that ridiculous mood and um, to, you know, to <sighs> think about bad dialogue that your character would have because obviously you've been dubbed and things like that. But yeah, I mean, I- Oh, I love Hong Kong action movies. I, <laughs> I went through like a, a John Woo phase right after Max Payne came out, like in the early two uh, thousands. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my god, these are awesome. Um, <laughs> I, well, I mean, I, I definitely recommend it if you can find a copy. But what I was, I mean, what I was thinking is, it's a, there's a, a bit of a similar um, idea behind it because, of course, you could do um, a, a Hong you could twist another another game into that kind of thing yeah robin laws put out feng shui which is that's what it is and for this it's it's straight western um it's not a historical western it's a it's not quite a hollywood western but it's a straight western i mean i i was reading through this and i was thinking to myself i could i could run gunsmoke yeah (laughs) when i was looking for um because the kind of the way i'm thinking about doing the adventures is like it's an episode of TV. Like mm-hmm. the first big book will probably be 10 episodes. Like they'll be very one shotty with little tendrils around to the next ones and back into the town. And I was looking through just when I was mining ideas, I just went to IMDb and I was looking at old Gunsmoke episodes, just kind of <laughs> reading the, um, I, the I summaries. Actually, I really recommend the radio shows. Um, you can probably find them on, on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, and uh, they're they're much better than the TV shows, to be perfectly frank. Yeah, the TV shows just seem to be a lot of either Indians kidnapped someone, or someone came to town to fight Marshall Dillon, or like it had like four plots and they repeated it for <laughs> yeah, there's hundred episodes. Yeah, there's a lot of variety on on the radio show. Yeah, um, and I hadn't watched Gunsmoke in a long time. Yes. So. I, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's the kind of thing that, I mean, you know, we're talking about going to see the doc and all they could think of was going to see doc Adams and, and on the show. So it's, you definitely got that, that feel. Yeah. Yeah. When we were all the, like the test adventure I kept running was basically just 310 to Yuma over and over again. <laughs> so, um, it was great when players have quickly picked up after like five, 10 minutes, like, we're doing 310 to Yuma, aren't we? Like, yes, we are. <laughs> and it's so easy. Like, I need an adventure for tonight. Um, oh, yeah, that movie will work. Yep. I just, I'm w- looking for the day when I, like, all right, you step forward. There's a small, you know, fortress. There's a lot of Mexican soldiers and a Gatlin gun. What do you do? <laughs> and I'm, wa- I'm waiting for that moment. Mm. Yeah. So you mentioned you mentioned you were kind of trolling the IMDb uh, articles for this. Was there any other like was there any other sources you use or, or any other sources you could recommend to people who are looking to get into this game to kind of dredge up historical background? Well, I shouldn't say historical, but like that background flavor. Yeah, um, actually, a lot of like you know you pull from history and then just kind of make it more fun or a little more big. Um, like I pulled a lot of ideas. We were listening to lore, which has a lot of cool, like kind of odd history, which is really cool to like pull mm-hmm. into a game. Um, so many, like the Western has been used as a template for so many things. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of your D and D games are just Westerns with swords or, you know, Westerns and samurai movies are basically the same thing. Um, seven samurai and the magnificent seven. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Star Wars is just a Western. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're watching The Mandalorian right now, it's literally a Sergio <laughs> Leone movie. Yeah, exactly. I, I have Star not Wars. started. I have not started watching it. So, so please be careful. No, no spoilers. But I mean, you can tell from the preview material. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, there's a pan flute in the mm-hmm. the soundtrack. <laughs> it, yep. it is 
And I'm not the biggest fan of spaghetti westerns, but I love the aesthetic look of them. But like once I get mm. into the movies, I'm kind of like, all right, let's go, let's go, come on. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm an impatient viewer sometimes, but I love that <laughs> that stark aesthetic look they have. Mm. So can I ask? Do you think you mentioned you have a background in TV? Did that really kind of influence what you wanted to do with this game? Um, not really. It's TV news more than like cinematic, like cool TV. Oh, okay. So. okay. <laughs> yeah. So no, I, uh, I, I just, I do morning news. So, mm. Mm. but yeah, so I see a lot of TV and I grew up, you know, just inundated mm. by television and movies. You know, my parents love old movies. So we were always watching TV land or TNT so I got a lot of those old westerns just kind of, you know, pumped into my brain between episodes of Star Trek as I was growing up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the old VH, uh, UHF days, rather, the old UHF days, we used to get a lot of that stuff, too. Yeah. Right uh, now. <sighs> Sorry, Fran and I are a little older. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah. We, we were right there on that cusp of when cables started to become widely available. Mm. So, as a, as a late late '80s, early '90s kid, so like mm-hmm. we were we we had cable, and it was I didn't realize until later how cool it was to have cable <laughs> TV in the like late '80s and the early '90s that mm. we were actually like doing something cool. I just always thought it was a thing. Yeah, I remember getting cable in the 80s, and it, it yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'd just like to <laughs> chime in. I'm a millennial and have never known a world without internet, so. <laughs> now, there, there, are some of, there are some of us millennials who, know, who remember vaguely the world without internet. No, but I us, remember. Us elder millennials. <laughs> <laughs> No, my, my 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 partner has occasionally given me dirty looks because of uh uh of, of making a youthful comment. <laughs> but so I guess I guess ultimately what I want to ask. So where so you said your your next book you kind of want to do um you want to do some adventures, some episodes. Yeah. Um, what? What other future? Do you want to share any other future plans you have, or you have you just not thought that far ahead yet? Well, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm kind of like spitballing a lot of ideas because I'm trying to finish this large other project that I thought it was going to be small, and it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger mm-hmm. as they do. But the idea is to kind of, I want like, I'm not looking for Pistolero to ever be a thing. You sit down and go, all right, we're going to play for a year. And we're going to have this massive campaign because like the professions only go up like eight, eight to 10 advances. Mm. And then there's not a a mechanic to pick another one up. But so for the first thing I want to do is kind of release like uh, episodes. So you play like seven or eight of these episodes or they're good for one shots. Like I'm working on a thing right now to take with me to PAX in two weeks. Basically, it's I think it's the hateful eight without all the racism. Um, but like the, all the players will be in this way station, they get snowed in and then everyone has a secret that they'll, will be like doled out to them at the start. Mm. And then it'll tie into the people who are in there. And then there's going to be some bandits that are come in and it takes place at Christmas. And if all goes well, everyone should end up shooting everyone by the end. And it's a perfect <laughs> one shot encapsulation of it has all that Western, feel and you get a mexican standoff and then it's over mm. so like it, the the play scale is much shorter and then for like kind of the the big larger plan is i want to make tabletop red dead redemption mm. so my gosh basically um go in like you would have like think about your dmg or like your like a splat book that's got all your other little systems and more professions and more classes create a world and then spread all that game mechanic stuff out 
So it's basically like two splat books just wrapped in gooey narrative. Hmm. And so like the the D if you've got that DM that's like I will never use a published adventure. Fie to that. They've <laughs> got this big huge toolbox of things to just play with. And then if you're like, well, I want to run an adventure, there'll be a narrative adventure. It's about, it's a fake state, and there's these four big barons of industry that are just, you know, bleeding it dry and oppressing people. And, you know, all my, like, pet feelings about the world get shoved into into the game. <laughs> and then, and that's, like, kind of the, the base story that you could follow that'll take you from around this area but that's that's kind of in the future that's probably 2021 mm. first i just need to figure out how to write westerns that don't feel like fantasy yeah it is it is difficult these days um yeah because i wrote one adventure and i gave it to my wife to read and she was like i if i took the guns out and gave everyone swords and put an elf or two in here it's just D D. try mm. again Hmm. I, I mean, the only thing that I can say is um, listen to a bunch of uh, Western, old Western radio shows and watch a bunch of movies, John Ford movies and things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And just find the things that are that you don't they don't easily replicate, like mm. trains and bank heists and mines and kind of that search into the wilderness. And you've got to really tap it correctly. And that's. That's what I'm refining. I think once I'm done writing fantasy for a little while, it'll be easier to really kind of hone back into the the Western field because I'm not splitting, I'm not jumping back and forth. Mm-hmm. What? So I know you you said um, you know in the preview you gave us there are some sample adventures. I know you're working on others. So far, what's been kind of your favorite your favorite story to kind of tell with this system? Um, I'm a I'm a big fan of like the downtrodden person kind of gets the pistoleros to help them usually murder and steal back stuff from rich people. Because <laughs> um, there's one in one of the towns where you this rich cattle baron burned these people out of their town because he wanted the land, and then one of them gets you to then go and kind of, I think that you've got to get something back or mess up a party and it can spiral way out of control into, we had a test part test group. They burned the, the big um, plantation to the ground and shot a bunch of people. And so that was, that was a lot of fun. It's that kind of the, the small man versus the, the big guy is kind of a story I've always liked. To mm. tell, mm. no one, no one wants to work for the the bank. <laughs> no one, no one actually wants to be the guy that that guards the Wells Fargo uh, stagecoach. You don't want to work for the man. Mm. But I like that your game has the opportunity to run things like that, um, right? Where you do work for Wells Fargo, you know, I mean, because there are stories that you can tell about dealing with stagecoach robbers when you're not one of the one of the robbers. Yeah, no, I mean, there's a whole TV show from the fifties about it that I could pull from. (laughs) Yep. Um, but yeah, so it's like, find, I like kind of the, the little man who's not like an actual black hat villain. Cause Mm -hmm. that gets boring very fast. Mm -hmm. Just being the desperado. That's, Mm -hmm. that's not, that's fun in very small doses. And it's, usually goes way way out of hand mm. i think the the story i i would kind of be interested in telling is the the redemption of the desperado oh yeah that's always fun yeah kind of like the 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 doc holiday mm. kind of kind of story yeah let's find find uh find an npc who's redeeming that they can latch onto who can be their huckleberry yeah yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> I had to. I couldn't not go for that joke. Um, <laughs> there's there's low hanging fruit, and sometimes you have to take it. Mm-hmm. So you've been kind of talking about 
the the ancillary media that you you've kind of been consuming to to work on this project what's what's your favorite western um probably the wild bunch oh that's a good that's a good movie yeah yeah um because like it was the first one i saw that was visceral like i had been i i went from like Gunsmoke to peckinpah and that's oh that's a God. jump um <laughs> Mm, yeah. like i had, i had, like i had heard about it like on like people were talking about like on the rotten tomatoes forums way the hell back in the day and I like this movie sounds awesome and i saw i found it for five dollars in the walmart bin one day on dvd and i was like yoink and i was like <laughs> watching it and i'm like i didn't know westerns could be like this mm. i thought they were very stodgy and you know locked down and there was nothing propulsive about them and i was like okay and it's just it was very eye-opening um either that and i i like the searchers for aesthetics of how it looks (laughs) even though i'm not like i like john ford like in stills even though john ford movies haven't always aged very well yeah but like, there's nothing more iconic than that shot of it's from the inside of the house, and there's the door frame, and you've got John Wayne standing there, and you can see the mesas out in the distance. Mm. I mean, when I think of western and kind of close my eyes, you see that shot. It it tells you so much. But in the movie, is just full of terrible, problematic '40s, '50s nonsense. But that shot is just. It's a great still image. Yeah. Very, very evocative. That's the thing about John Ford is um, he transcended his scripts a lot. His direction transcended the scripts. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. No, and some are definitely far better than others. Mm. Um, and then I like some of the more modern Westerns a little bit more because I'm uh, just a little bit more of a twitchy viewer sometimes. <laughs> So I have um I actually have two questions for you. Okay. I'm I'm gonna ask I'm gonna ask them both at the same time. Uh you can feel free to leave the interview. <laughs> um <laughs> what are your opinions on uh Will Smith and the Wild Wild West and why is that <laughs> the best western? And um two, how many how often do you twirl scissors around like guns and uh have accidentally stabbed yourself? Because since reading this book, I'm up to three. <laughs> <laughs> um, my opinion on Will Smith and the Wild Wild West is, man, that was not a good follow-up to uh, Men in Black. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I mean, it has its place as a really, really campy movie. And it did get me to watch a whole bunch of reruns of the show. Oh, God, the TV show so good. Yeah, like, when the movie came out, TV Land was just like, we've got this whole catalog. Here you go. <laughs> um, so I was, like, watching that between episodes of, like, the original Battlestar Galactica and the A-Team. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I, I grew up on a lot of, like, old TV. and then it's not old TV to Fran and me. Well, <laughs> it's fairly old TV. Yeah. Um, Childhood TV. Yeah. And... You know, like so I I remember a time when the only Battlestar Galactica involved Dirk Benedict and mm-hmm. uh, you know Lauren Green. So <laughs> um, yeah, I I mean the 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 movie was so disappointing for me. Wild Wild West. Yeah, but and to answer your question about scissors, I I don't have a pair of scissors, but I did contemplate buying a cap gun revolver. Um, and I just couldn't find one at the store when I was there thinking about it, and I didn't feel like Amazoning one. Mm. But you know, I, I actually saw those at Dollar Tree today, and I I almost got one. <laughs> <laughs> but then I would then I would lose the fun of you know stabbing myself. <laughs> scissors, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, and my my partner taking away the scissors. <laughs> you, gotta get this, you gotta get those blunt safety scissors they gave you in mm-hmm. kindergarten. Yeah. Thank you, Jess. Oh, I'm, I'm <laughs> sure I can still find a way to, to hurt myself. 
I mean, I spent a lot of time chomping on a Sharpie like it was a cigar, talking in kind of mm-hmm. Western speak. So, there uh, was oh, a, I, it, I, yeah. I do that, but I do J. Jonah Jameson impressions. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sometimes you need pictures of Spider Man. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely need pictures of Spider Man. So, I have. I have a very picky little rules question because um, okay. I noticed something while I was reading through the book. Um, I was reading through the um, the professions, and I noticed that for every other character profession, um, there's uh, a special power that is linked to Moxie, uh-huh. with the exception of the Pinkerton. Um, and I was curious as to, uh, did you just not have a a moxie idea for the pinkerton um i know this is quickly reading the pinkerton to just yeah i know this is a snip you know a really picky question but it just it wound up Mm. leaping out at me um i think because um moxie was one of the kind of the way moxie worked was one of the later additions to the system Uh where i realized oh moxie is mana um And I think I was really in love with the Pinkerton as a has a disguise and papers and and there was no real easy mm. way to moxie it mm. and so I just kind of I left it but I tried to so there was a point where where I was like moxie and I was like I don't know it's this thing and I had it and I realized I wasn't using it and then I was kind of reading through the rules I was like well, what am I going to do with moxie I'm either going to get rid of it or I'm going to do something with it I'm like right it recharges quickly. It's mana. And I started going in and putting Moxie on a whole bunch of things. So I was like, got it. Moxie is your resource. Because initially I was thinking, well, they'll spend stamina for some things and I'll split it between stamina and Moxie. And I'm like, no, Moxie's the spender. Stamina is that kind of shield. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it, it's, um, oh, it's interesting because you have two kinds of, uh, resource things and moxie is sort of the out of combat um resource management and the action points are the in combat yeah resource yeah. management so i just i just found that interesting and saying when you when you say that it was a later edition it makes perfect sense for it not to be for, for the pinkerton not to have any yeah um, yeah yeah it's like like moxie was always there but i didn't understand it until uh, much further into development, I was like, "That's how it works. That's what it is." Okay. You know, I Good. do have a, I do have a question about action points. Now that we brought okay. them up, uh, so they're probably my favorite thing in the system. I stole them from Zweihander. I will just okay. admit that right away. I, <laughs> I was like, I love, I love this like part of that that system. Like, I love it so much. I love action points. I'm just gonna steal them, I, and it's just like yoink. Yes, we sh- we should mention that action points are. Um, points used basically they're um, the ability to do things in combat. Right. So you can um, start you you can start with a certain number and build up to a certain number. So each turn you can do as as many things as you have action points. I'm just I for the listeners who probably haven't seen this game yet. Although right. Should... You you start with three and then every turn you get three more and you can bank your action points up to a max of ten. And like firing your gun takes an action point, uh, movement takes an action point, kind of dodging takes action points, and a lot of the feats and skills sometimes take three or four action points. Kind of the idea was you want that guy who's like, All right, I'm hiding, I'm hiding, I'm just gonna come up and I'm just gonna unload my revolver and just blow all my spent action points. I just I love the idea that it's like this laconic guy in the corner just sitting and waiting he, he watches everybody and then all of a sudden he gets up and does everything yeah <laughs> like i um like i dirty secrets i haven't played this at a table i did all my testing of roll 20 because all hmm. my friends decided they needed to move to florida um <laughs> but like my idea if and playing this actually at a table is to give everyone 10 poker chips or like keep the chips in the center and mm-hmm. use poker chips to track AP. It's like I'm gonna do this and I'm in and get that kind of feel. Because for a while I was trying to work cards into it and it, that never worked. 
but I like the, I, I always wanted to play with poker chips and use them to kind of track AP. Yeah, that, that to me feels really good. Cause I, I already use poker chips in so many games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it just feels like, oh, okay. Yeah. This makes perfect sense. Yeah, one day I'm going to get a, a way to use a deck of cards. One idea I'm working on is uh, it's the deck of many tropes. Um, mm-hmm. So if you're just trying to like quickly run a game, you need to inject something. It'll just be a deck of cards, and it's got a Western trope on it. Just Western, you know, like someone want, meanders into town and they have a secret. There's a bank robbery. Or, you know, just very easy to use things that are iconic and tropey. Mm-hmm. And just it's a deck that the DM or the narrator can just have kind of there when they need something to inject. Yeah, yeah, like uh, adventure um, hooks and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the idea is I'm also always trying to think of ways to with like audience engagement because streaming has become such a big thing with a lot of RPGs now. Is like, well, what's a way I can create a system that works a hundred percent? without thinking about streaming and an audience, but then you like click on a switch and all of a sudden it's audience engagement, but it still does exactly what it was supposed to do. And that's kind of how I always pictured the, that deck working. Like you throw, you know, the audience throws your bits Mm -hmm. and X amount of bits triggers a draw from the deck of tropes. So like kind of inject things into the game. As opposed to just, yay, we got some disadvantage. Woo. Hmm. I actually like that a lot. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm slowly, I'm slowly dipping my toe into Twitch RPG streams. Uh, like I, I found one today for the new aliens RPG. So I wanted to, I wanted to watch that and it's like, huh, there's a whole bunch of other content here. Yeah. Yeah. There is so much um I, I dipped my toes in for a little while and i was like it is i don't know how people produce a stream and dm at the same time no i just <laughs> like i i was on one one stream with some friends and i was dming something and i was like this is awesome this is great i you know i'm performing i'm having fun and then i tried to do the producing part at the same time and i was like uh this is this is too much. This is too much. Like my, my TV background wouldn't let me not continually putz with OBS. <laughs> and like just the little idiosyncrasies, like I should be able to do this. I do this for a living. You know, I literally am part of four hours of live TV every day, five days a week. I can do this. And then it's like, no, no, you can't do it all by yourself. But it's so, it's such an emerging thing in uh, RPGs these days. So it's a complete mystery to me. <laughs> I it's just a mystery to me. So to kind of wrap things up, is there any last thoughts about the game? Anything you want to uh, to to share before we kind of move on to to our closing bits? Um, pick it up. It's it's cheap. <laughs> Have fun with it. Don't feel constrained to, like, what you think a Western should be. Go big, go bold, um, which is, I think, what we tried to convey in the writing and the art and the style. Just, if you you saw it in a movie, just do it. Just have fun with it. And, like, I want it to be that game that people pick up between campaigns. You know, like, I just finished this big you know, 20 level D and D hardback. Well, let's play something for a couple weeks to recharge. Well, I got this, you know, 44 page rule book here and it seems really cool. Let's play that for a few weeks and then go back to, you know, your next big 20 level hardback campaign. I want it to, I want it to be that little like palate cleanser game that people keep picking up and finding and just having fun with. I could really like that. That's, that's a great Mm. sentiment. I, I really like that a lot. Hey, Sean. Uh-huh. Where can people pick it up? <laughs> uh, it is available on DriveThruRPG. Okay. I just want to make sure that you get your plug in. Right, before. right. Um, just look up Ballad of the Pistolero. It's the only thing that comes up. You'll see that, and you'll see the character sheet. They're in 
because the character sheet's a form fillable PDF. Um, it kind of came in a little late, which is why it's not in the book, but it's it's free, so just download it. Um, and you can get the book in paperback and PDF. Um, and it's on Drive Through RPG, and I'm debating putting it on Itch. And you know, hmm. new new places are always scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just starting to understand Drive Through, so. And that's where I've got everything else I do because I did a lot of DMs Guild stuff and uh, Grim and Perilous Library stuff. So that's all lives there as well. So it's convenient. That's where you can find it. And, you know, I just want to be that little, you know, palate cleanser game. Mm-hmm. So Sean, every every week, every episode, we do a shout out. So I'm gonna like, I'm gonna ask you. What are you digging this week? What's something cool, like a game, book, movie, whatever? Whatever what am, you're really into this week. What am I really into this week? Uh, outside of gaming, I'm so, so back into Star Wars this week. Um, mm. <laughs> which, like, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a roller coaster. Um, Gaming-wise, um, I've, I've been digging Spyhander for weeks and weeks and months, and I'm so into that, I finally dragged my D&D group into that, kicking and screaming. Because they were like, no, we don't want to leave our D20s and, you know, play with hundreds and random character generation and whatnot. But I was like, no, you're coming. I need to test things. So those are the things I'm, like, big into right now. Nice. Okay. Um, yeah, I haven't seen The Mandalorian yet, but I've heard so many good things. And once yeah. we kind of get through our, our, our backlog of stuff. We're going to, we're going to hop into that, I think. And it, it's so easy to str- uh, binge cause the episodes are like 30 minutes long, mm-hmm. which I think surprised everyone. They were like, Oh, these are going to be like 50 minutes, 60 minute hour long episodes. Cause it's on a streaming service. It's like, no, they are a brisk. If you're familiar with like clone wars or rebels, the episodes have kind of the structure of, uh, those animated series. I thought I thought there are only a couple episodes out right now. Are they all out? Uh, three so three. far. Three so three. far. Okay, but they're so all thirty. Weekly. Yeah, they're doing it weekly, which I think, having lived through so much binging and going back to weekly, I'm enjoying it way more. Like, uh, just you know, having appointment TV. Like there was I when you said this was at nine on a Sunday, I was like, uh, but that's Watchmen. Um, <laughs> Another thing I'm into right now. Yeah, Watchmen is really cool. Um, so good. Cassie, I mean, what we knew you... it was going to be good because The Leftovers was amazing. Hmm. So, Cassie, what are you? Um, what are you into this week? So I'm going to give a little peek behind the curtain and let people know that we are recording this three days after our last episode. <laughs> <laughs> recorded so what am i into this week uh what am i into for the last few days <laughs> um you know what i'm gonna talk about um i'm gonna talk about something that um just recently ended um i'm gonna mention um what i think is the uh best uh comic book that uh marvel comics has put out in the past decade which just finished its run uh, the unbeatable squirrel girl mm. um all of the issues uh I'm trying to remember how many issues there were total i can't for the life of me remember um because there was the first series and then everything got restarted into number one through the whole marvel line right and so i think it's like about i think it's about 60 issues um all of them were written by ryan north and the first two-thirds were drawn by eric anderson the last third or so by Derek charm. And that's, I mean, the fact that they could have that much of a, um, of a stable team, um, speaks to the artistic vision of the series, which I mean, Ryan has done an amazing job with it. I I'd been, I'd, I'd like squirrel girl before the series started. I thought, um, you know, when she was in great lakes Avengers and all that stuff, that she was just a fun character, but the series is so good good i mean the writing is so good 
the characters are just so fun. The humor is great. The fact that um, the characters try to solve problems just as much with compassion and thoughtfulness as they do with, with fists. It's just so good. It's all collected at this point, um, except for the last few issues, which presumably will be collected soon. And I just cannot recommend it enough. I am so sad to see it end. Mm. It ended on, it ended on Ryan's terms. I think he decided to move on and I am just so sad to see it end. Um, that uh yeah i mean i don't know i don't know what'll take its place in my heart but uh I, it's a huge recommendation for me cool well, that is definitely one i am i am excited to read uh i am a trade paperback person so i am i am excited to to finally finish that and and, and i love i love the fact that the trades reprint the letters pages yeah <laughs> you got to have your letters pages well i mean no, in in all seriousness, it really is amazing to read the Squirrel Girl letters pages because lots and lots of letters from little kids, pictures, um, lots of uh, child Squirrel Girl cosplay. <laughs> it's adorable. It it really is. And Fran, what uh, what are you into this week? Well, uh, as mentioned, it's only been three days, and True. um. <laughs> At the moment, I'm 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 big into the Scarred Lands D and D setting because uh, we're yeah exactly, um, <clears throat> we're neck deep in uh, trying desperately to convert uh, some of the the short convention vigilant missions that we've been running into uh, modules. So more on that hopefully soon. Uh, that'll be up on Drive Through RPG. But if I had to pick something external to that, um. Uh, I've talked before about how wonderful Crunchyroll is for getting me my anime fix uh, faster than uh, I would ordinarily have to wait for it. And the thing that I'm really enjoying at the moment is Legend of the Galactic Heroes, Dinoya Tes, I think that's how it's pronounced, um, the new thesis. It's basically a a rebooted... Um, punched up version of the original uh, Legend of the Galactic Heroes anime, which is based on the fantastic uh, novel series. Um, and it's about uh, a republic and a uh, and an autocracy fighting back and forth, and the heroes and villains on both sides, and how both of them can be terrible places to live or wonderful places to live in different ways and about the two military geniuses um who are uh emerging on each of the two sides to uh try to lead them to victory and it's loaded with fantastic uh action sequences really neat strategy um wonderful characters and uh lots of opera music because you know Hey, it is space opera. Um, so again, it's on Crunchyroll, which means you can watch it for free if you don't mind seeing ads. And uh, it's it's just really lovely storytelling and really interesting uh, stuff. So I will have to I will have to check that out because it sounds mm-hmm. a lot like Gundam. Yeah, it it is. It has a lot of well, it's it, there's there's not quite as much screaming into the void. Um, but uh, a lot of slapping. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, well, there's, there's, let's see, one, two, there's some definite slapping. Um, it's okay. a more organized military, and there's not nearly as many teenagers running around in it. But uh, uh, yeah, there's a lot more um, uh, uh, arrogant types who seem to, who, who think that they know what's good for everybody else. Um, and the battles are, uh, if you can believe this, uh, a lot bigger than the Gundam battles, um, because as stated, it spans a galaxy. Mm-hmm. And I, I will say, as you know, since since you use the G word, um, I, I do I do really love the the um, mechanical designs from the original animated series, um, which is really hard to find. Like I had to torrent most of it. Um, and, uh, it's, it's huge and 
the storytelling is more cumbersome than in the new version. Um, I have yet to go back and sort of really compare them thoroughly, but uh, the the mecha designs in the new one are are you know they're neat. They're just not quite as nifty to me. But yeah, they're it's it's really fun. I will absolutely check that out. Um, so mine, in honor of having Sean on, I reread um, uh, a comic that I picked up at SPX this year called Stage Dreams. Uh, it's a young adult graphic novel uh, featuring uh, a queer woman and a trans woman. Oh. Uh, I may have talked about this before. It's got a – the art is beautiful. Um. The uh, one of the characters has a hawk, has a pet hawk. Uh, it's it's good, and it's filled with people of color, with queer folk. It's fantastic, and Confederates get punched. <laughs> you gotta punch Confederates. You yeah. do. Uh-huh. Uh, they uh, get robbed silly. It's good times. As as a proud Virginian, punch every Confederate you see. <laughs> um, no, like growing, like living in D.C. It's like it, it's hard not to. Yeah, no, I there there will be Confederate like old Confederates who have like run away. Definitely gonna be bad guys mm-hmm. uh, later on. Uh, like that's why the soldiers got a blue coat. So I'm like, we're not no, we're not doing any of this gray coat lost cause nonsense. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I have a chip on my shoulder about Confederates. No, this is incredible. <laughs> Please, if you would like to. Uh, if you if you would like to expand on that chip, we are more than happy to listen. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're like they're right there with Nazis. Mm-hmm. They just need to be punched. Um, yeah, I just uh, growing up around it and then getting that that lost cause myth for so long. Mm-hmm. And once your eyes kind of open to like, wait a minute, no, th- these guys just owned people and they were douchebags. Um. There was no, there's no mythology to it. They just wanted to own people and be douchebags. Uh, and we shouldn't continue to venerate them and name things after them. Um, since we both live in Virginia, have you, have you run into these neo-Confederate, uh, this nonsense? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> is, uh, here in Richmond, we have, uh, this street called Monument Avenue. It's got a bunch of Confederate statues. Yeah. And yeah, they, you know, they've been talking about trying to move them or add context or whatever. And those guys have come out a couple of times to protest their heritage or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's just, yeah, it's your heritage, but that doesn't mean we have to display traitors. It's my heritage too. And I'm not proud of it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Like, People seem to get mad whenever I talk about Confederates being traitors to the United States of America. Uh-huh. Yeah, like I had relatives who fought for the Confederate Army. I've gone through, I you know, helping my dad do genealogy. We've scrolled through old, you know, pension records and whatnot. And yeah, he was on the wrong side. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to judge poor Tennessee dirt farmer because mm-hmm. I don't know him, but his cause that he fought for the people whose views we know very well, I'm going to judge the shit out of them. Exactly. <laughs> ordinary, ordinary Germans fought desperately to protect Germany with the Nazis, but at least they had the good graces to be fucking ashamed of it afterwards. Exactly. I think, um, I think one of my favorite examples of this kind of revisionist history. So I grew up in Texas. Uh, I went through the Texas educational system um, it's not great. <laughs> um, but literally, I, I in one of my elementary school textbooks, it was called "The War of Northern Aggression." Ah, uh, the War of Northern Aggression. Yeah, see, I whenever uh, I need to uh, find yeah. my like deep Southern accent, yeah. that's the phrase I use because <laughs> it's got hits all those long vowel sounds. Yeah, I um, I went from living in. In 1979, to living in Wilmington, North Carolina. Uh, this was uh, between first and second grade, and I remember my parents being 
very, very surprised at how differently uh, we went to like we would go to Fort Fisher in 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 Wilmington, you know, one of the biggest, most important naval Confederate naval forts. Right. There was, and, and they they were just shocked at how differently history was taught. Yeah. I. Mm. Yeah, yeah this I, sounds like an interesting topic to do a, an entire episode um, on revisionist <laughs> history. Would Trump come back for that? I'm here to talk about the Civil War. Because as much as I hate <laughs> Confederates, I love the Civil War. This might be an idea. How can we make the Civil War more palatable? Um, my answer is add dinosaurs. <laughs> uh, which, well, that's, which, a, that's your answer to ev- how to make everything more palatable, though. Girls and dinosaurs. Yeah, I know. But, um, <laughs> it would, I, I it can, would... It would that. give me the uh, the uh, opportunity to to uh, retell the ballad of Colonel McElroy and his Indian scout boy, oh, which God. I think our our readers would probably Listen. find very entertaining. I think we've told that story before, but mm. yeah, well, I, I want to just go back and and rewrite parts of the Killer Angels where I have more union points of view. <laughs> I noticed you used the name Shara in there, and I was I wondering- did. <laughs> and that was totally intentional. <laughs> Almost any name is going to probably be a reference to something. It's oh, either man. a name I like or it's a reference. And if you think it's a reference, it probably is. <laughs> um, Sean, I have one last question for you before we wrap up. Okay. Have you ever been to Dinosaur Land 2? No. Uh, I believe it's somewhere around the Richmond area. I could be wrong. Um but it is a dinosaur roadside attraction that has uh, that just has what I've suggested. It dinosaurs in the Civil War. By Post Virginia, where is that? But I'm, uh, I'm, I'm of course googling that right now. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's listen. Uh, do yourself a favor, take it whatever it is, take a trip for the weekend and go see it because uh, it's amazing. <laughs> Okay, it's up near, it's up in Northwest Virginia. It's okay. Up by Winchester. No, no, okay, no, that's actually a different one. Uh, oh, there's a second, oh, you said two. There are two, yeah. Dinosaur, now, Dinosaur Land, Dinosaur that's my neck of the woods. I went there as a kid. That place is awesome. Dino, there's Dinosaur Kingdom, too, which is a natural bridge. Yeah, that's the one. Okay, that's up by, like, Roanoke and Lexington. Okay, All I'm right. terrible. I don't. I listen. I've I've been living in Maryland and West Virginia for the past couple of years, so I have no idea where anything in the state is. I know that feeling. I, I, for a long time, I didn't know where anything was if it wasn't close by. I'm just proud that I know how to get to the metro station without GPS anymore. <laughs> An accomplishment. Oh no, absolutely. And I and like I can make it 50 percent of the time. Well, there you go. So, but anyway, Sean, where can folks find you if they're interested in uh, following you uh, on your pluggables? Uh, I'm on DriveThruRPG. You can find me on Twitter, which is easily the best place to find me. Um, and my my handle is at DamieSean, D-A-M-M-E-S-E-A-N, because I didn't think I was going to do anything with Twitter, and I just <laughs> generated a handle based on Facebook. And... And I'm gonna run with it. And we will we will link that in the show notes for folks as well. Yeah, and then I I have a like a Facebook fan page, but I never check it. So Twitter is really the the best place to to get a hold of me because I'm technologically addicted. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so I can be found at Tip Transformed on Twitter. And I can be found at Ronalyn Valor on Twitter. Uh, you can find me as Fran Stewart on uh, Facebook. And you can find my book that is set in the Scarred Lands, which you should buy, um, on uh, uh, Amazon and Barnes & Noble and wherever fine ebooks are sold. And on Drive Through Fiction as a print-on-demand or ebook, and the title of that book is Vigilant Through Shadows and Dreams. And if you have not read it by now and come to me to uh, to get your free haiku that I will write on any subject you want, um, 
uh, then you are a bad person. Oh, oh. Um, there <laughs> I said it. <laughs> you can find me at uh, Twitter at little underscore Lizzie twenty two. Um, you can also find me on your back porch, crouching on a post, pretending to be a gargoyle. I have noticed that. Yes, uh, I've, where, I've been out there a while. Find... Could you get me a blanket? <laughs> yeah, I will. Well, well, buddy keeps barking at you, so I don't know. <laughs> Um, and we can be found on Facebook at Tabletop Transmissions. And we can be found, I'm so embarrassed to say this with a guest. <laughs> we, can, we can be found on Twitter at Transmissions, but listen to how I spelled it because I spelled it wrong. It's at T-R-A-N-S-M-I-S-T-I-O-N-S. <laughs> and, we, and we can be found um, on Podbean and uh, on iTunes. And if you listen to us on iTunes, please leave a any kind of starred review uh, to help us with the mighty algorithm. And please, everybody, uh, if you have questions or comments or anything, you can um, put you can leave them at any of those places. And we would absolutely love to uh, talk about them on the air. Yeah. And uh by by Sean and Fran's book. Yes. Mm-hmm. They're both quite act, quite good. Very, very yeah. good. Definitely. I, I can attest to Sean's. <laughs> anyway. I, I might have just one clicked uh something on Amazon. Oh no. <laughs> oh, the book. I thought you did it on accident. No, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Anyway, Sean, thanks for joining us. <laughs> no problem. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, we hope to we hope to have you back when we do uh, how to make the Civil War more palatable with dinosaurs. With dinosaurs. Well, that's going to be one option, of course. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. We hope uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna run your game. I know that. Tell me how it goes. I, I will. Mm. Um, I love hearing when hearing about people when they're like, "I played it, and this happened, and that happened." It's just. Oh, yeah. That gets you through all the times where you're just like, I don't want to work. <laughs> this is yeah. going to be a palate cleanser between my current D&D campaign and the World of Darkness game I, I intend to run. So kind of yeah, something positive before I just kill hope in my players. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. But anyway, gang... um, so we uh, just want to say goodnight. Thanks for joining us. And we hope you had a good time listening. Yeah. Goodbye, everybody. See you later. Peace out. <laughs>